0: Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Tuesday, August 28th, 2018. Here to recap and break down Monday Night Raw from uh, last night, where we were all going to be waiting to see reaction from uh, last week events that occurred, whether it be the Shield reunion, whether it be Ronda Rousey's attack on Stephanie McMahon, or now that Cardangle has been put on vacation by Stephanie and Baron Corbin will be acting as general manager while he's gone. And you knew as soon as Baron Corbin got the position that he was going to abuse his power. I mean, hell, while he was uh, the just the constable of uh, Monday Night Raw, he was abusing power all the time. And you knew he was going to take things to a whole different level, as well as be giving himself pats on the back, every which way he turned to last night, taking such obvious situations and making matches that it wouldn't even take a, being a rocket scientist to figure those out, but as well as putting himself in favorable positions, as well as uh, giving uh, people he has issues with difficult tasks, those two being Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley. Now, Finn Balor, he's had problems with for months and has been complaining since SummerSlam about his match with Balor due to the fact that it wasn't Finn Balor the man, it was Finn Balor the demon that showed up and has wanted a rematch against Finn Balor since because he, in his mind, he was prepared for the man, not the demon. And so last night in the the early part of the show, he comes to the ring. It's all braggadosis. Talks about his new role as GM, saying that he set himself up for a match that he's had all day to prepare and his opponent only just found out about, calling out Finn Balor for the match. And now, throughout the early parts of the match, they did play up the lack of preparation in this. Well, Balor seemingly getting steamrolled by Corbin. But eventually, as always, Finn Balor's able to turn the tide and start getting things in his advantage with his speed advantage, uh, uh, with uh, several of his offensive maneuvers, able to avoid the second time around when Corbin does that run out of the ring, around the ring post and back in to a clothesline. And you felt like oh, Balor was... Uh, uh, going to win this match, hit the sling blade, had him all set up uh, to hit the coup de grace and Corbin rolls out of the ring, grabs a chair to get himself disqualified, or so we thought gets on the microphone and announces that he forgot to mention that this match was a no disqualification match before hitting a second chair shot on Balor and the the end of days to get uh, the victory and you figured that that Corbin was gonna try and pull this uh this crap because it, it's uh one way to get over him uh abusing his power his his authority as uh, g m he wasn't able to uh w- win it fair and square so he had to re- resort to cheating and changing the rules on the fly and th- that's just the way he is he's an easy uh to hate character and um has never been more over as far as his hatred was uh, last night. Later on in the night, you see him uh, try to exact revenge on another person he's had problems with recently, that being the uh, Destroyer, Bobby Lashley. Remember, Lashley beat him last week in a match that Corbin felt he wasn't given enough time to prepare for. So they put uh, the Bobby Lashley last minute in a two-on-one handicap match against the Ascension, uh, uh, and I'm not even sure why they use the Ascension in uh, this match. Just because we haven't seen the Ascension on TV in months, the, the hell, I'm not, I'm not even sure if we've seen them on TV since they got moved to Raw from SmackDown in the most recent Superstar Shakeup. I mean, the Ascension, they're a team that, since they've came to the main roster, has not got much good booking at all. And they tried to play it off as, oh, it's going to be some difficult task for Bobby going up against this team. But he's seemingly, uh, other than uh, one false moment for uh, the Ascension, rolled completely rolled over both Connor and Victor and was able to... Uh, Pick up a, a seemingly quick victory here, I and mean, it, I, I don't know how this was supposed to make anyone look good. No, no one was really interested in the match, but I guess it was just used as a way to play up the idea of Baron Corbin abusing authority and trying to exact revenge on people he's got issues with as of late. <laughs> Thankfully, I think we've seen the last of the Titus worldwide going up against authors of pain rivalry as last night they didn't have those two teams face off or have any sort of confrontation whatsoever, as in this week it was instead their uh, statistician Dana Brooke in singles action first singles match I can remember her being in in a while and that no She went up against Sasha Banks and prior to the match, they uh, played up some uh, excitement by her, but possible dissension amongst Titus worldwide as Apollo was asking title, uh, what's the point of having her face Sasha when she hasn't been in the match in recent months trying to uh, build up her stock so she can probably get a spot at Evolution in uh, late October. And Brooke looked better than I expected her to look, especially not wrestling uh, much uh, recently. Actually had uh, put up a good fight against Sasha. But w- when all was said and done, uh, Sasha uh, finally stopped messing around, to, uh, was able to deliver the bank statement and score a submission victory. And the point here was two things. Neither Sasha or Bailey have won many matches Recently, especially with their issues, they've been dealing with going up against the riot squad. So they need to get them back on the winning ways. The other part here is, I think we can clearly see that eventually Titus Worldwide is going to come to an end, and Apollo and Dana are going to break away from Titus O'Neill because you you saw last week when uh, Apollo and Titus lost, Dana was. Uh, uh, checking on Apollo, um, not even worried about Titus. This week, while Titus was looking disgusted by Dana's loss, Cruz was in the ring uh, checking on Brooke. So I think uh, we're eventually going to see this group break apart and Dana Brooke is going to become the manager, valet, whatever you want to call her, for Apollo Cruz. And they'll probably do better for uh, Apollo. Get him part of some more serious things because the guy is uh, one hell of an athlete, one hell of a singles competitor. We just don't get to see it much because of the storyline that he's currently part of. It's been eight days since Seth Rollins reclaimed the Intercontinental Championship At SummerSlam. And due to the fact that he wasn't going to have to be dealing with uh, Dolph Ziggler or Drew McIntyre since they were already preoccupied that last night, as we'll talk about later, Seth felt it was a good time to come out and restart the open challenges he had been issuing uh, earlier this year during his first run as Intercontinental Champion because uh, as he stated, and as Roman stated earlier in the night, uh, the shield is the workhorses of WWE. So he issued an open challenge for anyone to come out and face him for the intercollege Championship. And surprise, surprise, it was Kevin Owens making his first appearance uh, since SummerSlam. And KO, both, even though he got a thunderous ovation when he came out, before the match, had to um, make sure uh, that he got the crowd to turn on him by uh, talking down Toronto and um, speaking French and hyping up his uh, home city, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, before making the promise that he, even as bad as the last couple of months have been for him on Raw, he was going to make up for it and wasn't going to leave uh, that night without... Uh, being a champion, and I thought he gave uh, one hell of a fight to Rollins right off uh, the bat. Especially uh, when he was able to counter Seth's third attempt at a suicide dive through uh, the ropes. Uh, th- this match seemingly had it all. These guys uh, brought every um, move uh, they had in their respective arsenals uh, to the fight here because uh I mean Seth he makes these open challenges and he he doesn't want just so any old uh superstar uh, mid-carder from the back to come out he w- wants to face the top guys wants to face the top challengers and you now KO answered the bell on uh, that one had uh, several occasions uh, where you thought he was going to uh pull off uh, the victory here especially uh w- w- um when he had uh, countered his uh, buckle bomb into the corner by delivering a super kick. And he The second he gets dr- driven into the corner, KO lands on his feet and delivers a super kick, one of the best spots of uh, the entire night. He even tried to uh, the tease uh, doing the... Uh, Fisherman suplex he does occasionally, spinning fisherman suplex from the top rope, but uh, Rollins was able to uh, counter that. And then KO tried to get cute by doing a springboard moonsault off the top rope, but Rollins moved out of the way just in time to deliver the curb stomp and uh, win what was easily uh, the uh, match of the night between two of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, say what you want about KO's appearance, how he's not, you know, doesn't have the best physique in the world, but the guy's uh, an insanely good wrestler, um, draws great heat on him from the crowd, and uh, he he desperately needed a win like this after, you know, the ass-kicking he received from Strowman last week at SummerSlam then it it kind of surprised us after the match because they had gone on to promote some other things, matches that were going on throughout the night. Also, once again, promote the uh, Super Showdown taking place on October 6th down in Australia. And they come back to the ring and he's sitting in the middle of the ring, visibly upset, defeated, sitting in a chair with a microphone in his hand, looking like he was about to start crying. And just uttered two words. I quit before walking out, walking away. And now we're left wondering, um, where do we go from here? Well, what's Kevin Owens' future on Raw? When is he going to come back? Because you know he's come, come back. He, he's not you know, leaving WWE, but they're, they're trying to play off his uh, negative emotions that he's felt over the last couple months with not getting the money in the bank contract uh the issues he had with uh raw gm card angle the fact Sami Zayn is injured and then going through an entire summer of having problems and being humiliated by braun Strowman. so now he gets uh a little bit of a break here and wonder when and where it is uh ko going to be coming back because You you know he's going to be coming back with a vengeance. It's just a matter of where and when it happens. One of the things I really did not understand about Raw last night was this whole promotion of a triple header. What they kept promoting through the first hour, this triple header, the B team against the Revival and a non- Title match, then you would have Natalia going up against Alicia Fox. Natalia would have Ronda Rousey in her corner. Alicia Fox would have Alexa Bliss in her corner. And in a performance by Elias. I'm not sure why they promoted those three things together in the same graphic as a as a triple header. It'd be one thing if you had you know, two teams in a rivalry and they were involved in three separate singles matches. That I can understand. But none of those feuds, none of those storylines have anything to do with one another. Not sure why it was promoted as a triple header all throughout uh, the first hour of the show. Now, the first of that triple header was a non-title match with the B-team going up against The Revival. The Revival, remember, defeated the B-team in separate singles matches last week, and they've been looking to get another opportunity at the tag team titles after losing a match that they thought was just pure luck. And the B-team, it's been pure dumb luck, the the victories they've been having in these uh, tag team title matches. And, you know, wouldn't you know, the second that I start backing the B team, the second I start showing them some support and believing in them and being a fan, they start losing matches. Go figure. L- last night being no different, as you saw the Revival uh, put the assault uh, early on uh, on a uh, Bo Dallas uh, before Axel got the hot tag and was able to fight their way back in the match. But ultimately, the the B team's lucky ways of winning matches uh, wasn't able to be sustained last night. And uh, Dawson and Wilder eventually hit the Shatter Machine for a victory. Afterwards, when it looked like they were going to leave, they came back and hit Bo Dallas with the Shatter Machine and... Uh, Promised that they were going to take the tag titles whenever they pleased. That opportunity could come next week. Now that we know that uh, they're going to be challenging the B team in a rematch from their tag title match at SummerSlam. The second leg of this triple header was a performance by Elias, who, you know, a couple weeks in a row, he's had some technical issues should we say when it comes to his performances you know broken guitars um, microphone issues and now this week he finally got it all going and was about ready to completely insult uh, the city of Toronto with one of his performances before we got a surprise and that was a uh, Appearance by a WWE Hall of Famer and Toronto native Trish Stratus, who came out to, to not only defend her hometown but also plug her match with Alexa Bliss at uh, Evolution, and you know Elias being the cocky guy he is, tried to claim that Stratus wanted to walk with Elias, um, like all the women, not just in that building, but around the world. But then decided to insult the fact that Trish Stratus is not just a mother, but also uh, a little bit older now than she was in her full-time wrestling days by saying he does not date women in their 60s. I mean, God, how, how can you try and pull an age insult on Trish Stratus? I'm not even sure how old she is. Probably in her 40s by now, but she still looks phenomenal. Looks in such great shape. So beautiful uh, as always. And Trish, of course, smacked him in the face. I was hoping she'd do more and just kick the crap out of this guy. But before she got the chance, uh, Ronda Rousey's music went off and he, Elias went running. And that led us into the third leg of this triple threat or um, triple header, excuse me. And that was Natalia's match up against Alicia Fox, which she was going to not just have um, Ronda Rousey in her corner, but also Trish decided to stay around and and hang out for the match. Seeing this, Alexa Bliss brought some more backup uh, to their side. After she got done uh, uh, hyping up their match for Evolution, she brought out someone that Trish is very familiar with, one of her greatest rivals of all time, Mickey James. And though the, the match was not really the main focal point here because Natalya eventually was able to put Alicia Fox away by defeating her with the sharpshooter. This match was done mainly to continue to build up the rivalry that Alexa Bliss has with now not just... Ronda Rousey, but also Trish Stratus, because prior to the match, she announced that she'll have her rematch for the Raw Women's title at Hell in a Cell in a couple of weeks. During the match, both Alexa and Mickey tried to interfere on Alicia's behalf, and Trish and Ronda sent her running into the crowd, stood there, made sure that the two of them didn't try to interfere once again. Just early plugging for Evolution and as well building up to the rematch eventually between uh, Ronda and Alexa at Hell in a Cell. But still, I don't get, A, why they had to plug these three segments together like that a uh, a triple header, that that didn't make much sense. Also, why did they have... I know, yeah, they were in Toronto. You have an appearance by Trish Stratus here. But to already be um, plugging her match for uh, Evolution... I mean, now we're probably, we may not see Trish for a couple of weeks now. I mean, it would be understandable if she was showing up the weeks leading up to Evolution to uh, start having a legitimate rivalry with Alexa Bliss. But Alexa Bliss now has this women's title match coming up in a few weeks. So, no, the, the whole thing didn't didn't make sense. I mean, the the only thing that made sense in all of this was the B-team uh, now has to defend the tag titles once again against the Revival because they earned another match against them. Didn't understand the three segments being plugged together. Elias really didn't prove anything. He he didn't get a chance to play the guitar. Didn't get a chance to sing. Doesn't have a real feud with anybody right now. His main thing is just going city to city, insulting people. And just because they were in Toronto to uh, plug uh, Trish versus Alexa so early when Trish or, uh, isn't going to be around full-time and Alexa uh, has another match coming up. Just did not make much sense to me, if you ask me. After the reunion of The Shield last week, we were wondering what was going to be next for these three guys. So earlier in the night Seth Rollins issued the Open Challenge for his Intercontinental Championship. As I'll talk about in a few minutes, Roman Reigns was involved in the main event. What was Dean Ambrose going to be up to? Well, earlier in the night before Seth went out to the ring to make his open challenge, we saw him and Dean talking backstage. Typical. You can't hear what they're talking about. Raw goes to a commercial break. Come back from the break and Dean's kind of just standing there with that you know, Dean Ambrose-like scowl on his face. You're wondering... Oh, well, what is the lunatic fringe up to before he gets confronted by none other than Jinder Mahal and his little stooge Sunil Singh? And after, you know, back and forth between them, a little bit of a verbal altercation there with Dean Ambrose making some threats. A match was set up between the two later in the night. And it's interesting where Jinder Mahal has fallen to at this point. Remember, one year ago at this time, he was the WWE champion. And now he's become that guy that, alright, we don't know what to do with this main eventer tonight. Okay, just put him in the ring with Mahal, have it have it be a showcase for them. And that's exactly what it was. This was a showcase for the new and improved Dean Ambrose to show off some of his uh, new offense here. And although Mahal got some uh, offense uh, and was intense early on Ambrose, eventually um, that the lunatic fringe was just uh, too much, and was uh, over able to overcome his uh, um, momentum, overcome uh, some of his offense, including that uh, jumping knee to the face, which really got Mahal going um, in this match and escape the colossus to deliver dirty deeds to get the uh, victory here. Nothing nothing more than a showcase for Dean Ambrose here. Get uh, a nice singles victory for him over a former WWE champion. No, it's kind of awkward now the situation that the shield is in because you got Roman Reigns as the universal champion. Seth Rollins is the intercontinental champion. And then it's Dean Ambrose, you don't have that third singles championship for the men wrestlers on Monday Night Raw, so it's it almost feels like he's just kind of there in the Shield, just uh, you know that that third wheel when he's anything but that. Remember, he's won every championship there is to win, other than uh, the Universal Championship, and you now hopefully that changes soon. Per- Now, prior to The Shield getting back together last week, I assumed what the story was going to be is that Seth and Dean would be separate from Roman, and eventually Dean Ambrose would turn on Seth, looking to win the Intercontinental Championship for himself. And it'd be kind of revenge for Seth's betrayal of them back in 2014, trying to get even for that even though they had seemingly reconciled that last year and uh, this year with getting the Shield back together so hopefully it this all changes soon because you don't want Dean Ambrose to look like the third wheel of the Shield because he's so much more than that so much better than that I'll finish up today with talking about Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. I wanted to lump together the opening segment and the main event last night because it was all about this building rivalry between uh, these two or the reigniting of this rivalry between these two because they had one of the best rivalries of 2017. And now with Braun Strowman having the Money in the Bank briefcase and Roman Reigns the Universal Champion... It's just been reignited once again. Braun Strowman twice in the last week has made his intentions clear of cashing in his money in the bank briefcase, but both times was unable to do so once after getting attacked by both Roman and Brock during their title match at SummerSlam when he initially said he would cash in right after the match. And then there was last week He came out near the end of Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title. Roman wins, and just as he's about to cash it in, that's when The Shield reunited and triple powerbombed him through the announce table. So you're wondering, okay, how is Braun Strowman going to counter this? How is he ever going to cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase now that Roman Reigns has the shield once again watching his back Um, would this uh, be a prohibitor from Braun Strowman or would he just come out looking stronger in the end Well, I love uh, how sometimes the the superstars will talk trash to each other on uh, social media throughout the week leading up to either Raw or Smackdown and over the last week, the two men had, had a little bit of a back and forth between uh, their two Twitter accounts. With Braun calling out Roman Reigns saying, come out without your boys and not uh, face me like a man. Roman claiming Braun um, was being cowardice in the way that he wanted to cash in his money in the bank. By each time waiting until after Roman uh, was finished with a match. So Roman came out to, to start off Raw, raw last night, uh, called out uh, Braun Strowman. And it was a very interesting uh, confrontation between uh, these two because you thought it was going to get into a, a, a physical altercation uh, and a fight break loose, possibly a cash-in. And in, instead... What it turned into is uh, somewhat of a uh, common agreement between uh, the two men. Because Braun Strowman once again addressed uh, how he felt that Roman wouldn't still be a universal champion without the Shield by his side. So he cut a deal with the champion that he wasn't going to cash in until September 16th at the next pay-per-view as long as the match took place inside the pay-per-view's namesake, Hell in a Cell. After the two men shook hands and seemingly agreed, that's when they were interrupted by Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, both uh, looking uh, to uh, make a statement and continue their climb to the top of the Raw Mountain. And... While Dolph hasn't forgotten about his rematch for the Interconal Championship, he felt that it would be a, a bigger statement for him and McIntyre to team up and uh, take down the two top guys on Monday Night Raw right now in Reigns and Strowman in a match where, as they said throughout the night... It, you, you, Can't think that Roman's 100% after his two ruling title defenses. And Braun can't be 100% with it mentally after his uh, failed attempts at trying to cash in his money in the bank in the last week. So the main event was a tag team match. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman versus Ziggler and McIntyre. Reigns and Strowman clearly don't like each other at this point. So you're wondering how they're going to work together together. As a team, and early on, it looked they like they were pretty agreeable on this match. You know, Roman wanted to start it. Braun was all cool with that, and it turned into somewhat of a two-on-one beatdown with Ziggler and McIntyre once they were able to gain the advantage over Roman Reigns and isolated him from being able to tag in uh, Strowman uh, throughout the match. Then came the moment he was finally able to tag in the big man. And we saw something that I don't think any WWE fan liked. I don't think anyone watching last night, whether you were at the arena or watching on TV, liked. Braun Strowman just, he stood there on the apron. He didn't get in the ring, didn't get involved in the match, just stood there. You thought at first it was just a stare down with McIntyre. But instead of getting involved in the match, he just stood there. And Ziggler and McIntyre continued to beat down on Roman Reigns, leading to the ref, throwing the match out, ruling it a uh, a no contest. Before Braun Strowman joined in the mix and reminded Roman Reigns with a phrase that he's said to him so many times in the last two years. I'm not finished with you. That led to Dean Ambrose coming out, rushing the ring, but was uh, quickly uh, dispatched by the three men. Seth Rollins came out, attempted the same, but you could see he was still dealing with some shoulder pain from his uh, match earlier with Kevin Owens. And he stood no chance with them. Before Braun Strowman laid out each one of the three of them with a running power slam. And Monday Night Raw went off the air with Braun Strowman raising his hands in the air alongside Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler, forming a new alliance to go up against the Shield. And quite frankly, it has me absolutely disgusted, pissed off, mad, angry, Use. Anything you want to any word you want to use to describe it right now, my feelings on what is clearly a Braun Strowman heel turn. So let me get this straight. You have taken a guy who, other than maybe Seth Rollins, maybe was the hottest baby face on the Monday Night Raw brand. I mean, if you're looking at all of WWE. In the last half a year, we'll go back to WrestleMania. There are four guys that have gotten the best reactions amongst uh, the audience. The top four baby faces in the company right now. On SmackDown, it's AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. On Raw, it's Seth Rollins and the monster amongst men, Braun Strowman. And you decide to take that. And turn him heel based off the fact that you're so obsessed with Roman Reigns being the guy. Vince, wake the hell up. Take off the goddamn headset at Gorilla. And go out from behind the curtain every once in a while during Raw. And listen to the crowd. When Roman Reigns' music going off no one's cheering for maybe a few kids in the crowd maybe some women but mostly it's booze mostly it's Roman sucks how did you not hear at SummerSlam during his match with Brock Lesnar the crowd was chanting you both suck and for good reason because that was the main event that no one wanted to see once again but no, oh Roman Reigns has now overtaken John Cena at number one in merchandise sale. So we gotta stick with trying to make him the top number one guy. Yeah, yeah. Cena was the the number one merchandise sale guy for years, but you and you you forced him down our throat as uh, the guy, even though we were. Always chanting, John Cena sucks during his entrance music. Always making fun of the fact that he had the five moves of doom. But you did that just because, oh, not only is he number one in merchandise sales, but he's also number one all time in Make-A-Wish. Which, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But you forced it down our throats when there were other guys we loved during that time that we wanted... To be the top guy, but because you had your own ideas and you, you had you wanted it, it, it to be the next Hulk Hogan so badly, you preferred John Cena being the guy over, say, Daniel Bryan, over CM Punk, over Ryback, guys that had catchy catchphrases that the fans loved. That you were saying, oh, we can't have someone more loved than John Cena. We got to turn them heel. And it came back and bit you in the ass all three times because look at Daniel Bryan had to retire for two years. CM Punk eventually walked out and Ryback eventually left because he was disgruntled about how his character was going. And he was one of the most popular characters at the time with his Feed Me More chant. And you have this same thing with Braun Strowman. The only the difference is Braun Strowman's a better wrestler than Ryback. Braun Strowman's more believable in Ryback because he has a serious tone about him. He can be funny at times, but is also a badass that doesn't listen to authority that can do it while still playing up to the crowd and not making us want to throw up each and every single week. But no, we're so hell-bent on Roman Reigns being the guy, we got to put the shield back together so he can get cheered and also turn Braun Strowman heel. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I mean, Vince McMahon needs to wake the hell up. These are, these are not the guys that we want to be the top guy. Remember, back in the late 90s, he wanted Stone Cold Steve Austin to be a heel. But after the Austin 316 uh, rant at King of the Ring 96, the crowd was so much behind Stone Cold, no matter what he did, no matter how much they tried to make him sound like an asshole, that eventually he gave in and turned Stone Cold into the most popular character in the history of WWE. And he figured, figures, oh, let me go the other route and force it down the fans' throats Two guys that I want to be the top guy, but they're clearly not into. I mean, hell, when Roman Reigns is the least popular character in his own team, that should tell you something. When he's the only one out of the three members of the Shield getting booed, that should tell you a mistake that you're making. What you should have done is you should have had Paul Heyman turn on Brock Lesnar, align with Roman Reigns and then come out every week, talk down about their opponents and talk down about the crowd and have Braun Strowman as the top babyface going after the championship. That's what should have been done with Roman Reigns rather than this same old cycle of let's figure out every possible way we can force feed it down the fans' throats. I mean, in one sense... It makes sense now that Brock Lesnar is no longer around because Braun Strowman was that main event heel last summer even though it was the beginning of his transition to babyface after his match with um, uh, Brock Lesnar and he had that series of matches with Roman Reigns that essentially made him a star. But still, this is something that could come back to backfire on them. Could lead to a revolt by the fans. You're already seeing that over on SmackDown with how the crowds pissed off that they turned Becky Lynch heel and you're doing the same thing with Braun Strowman. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. As I said, Vince, take the headset off, go behind the curtain, the side of the stage every once in a while, and listen to the fans. Roman Reigns is not the guy they want to be the top guy. He's not the guy we I want to be the top guy. Braun Strowman is the guy. Braun Strowman's the one I wanted to take down the beast. Braun Strowman's the one that I wish was universal champion right now. I mean, the crowd so beloves Braun Strowman. And he doesn't kiss up to him. He doesn't play up to him. He just goes out there. He's that rebellious badass. And that's the kind of character we love. While still having a catchy catchphrase that the fans can chant along with. Get these hands While they're chanting, Roman sucks, the whole crowd is also chanting, get these hands. And you know what? I hope the crowd revolts against us. I hope that even with how they've tried to turn Braun against us, side him with McIntyre and Ziggler, still, when he comes out each week, the crowd still roars when he does the roar at the top of the stage. The crowd still chants, get these hands during these matches his matches get chance. Roman sucks when the two of them face off at hell in the cell because this whole situation sucks. They've turned the guy that we love heel and they're continuing to force feed down our throats. The guy we don't want to cheer for this Tuesday, August 28th, 2018. I'm three. And that was my opinion. Everybody have a great night. Remember, follow me on Twitter at M3Rozansky. I'll be back tomorrow with a recap of SmackDown. Enjoy your night. Peace out.